What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by allowing your inherent goodness to take the lead? And not because you're a bad person, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to be a better person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you keep growing. Hey, and welcome to How to Be a Better Person. I'm Kate Hanley, your host and the author of the book, How to Be a Better Person, which makes a great companion to this podcast. This week, I'm talking about time savviness and just how to have a better relationship with time so that you both feel less stressed out and like you're making the most of your precious and wonderful time here on earth. (laughs) No big deal, right? Today, I'm talking with Dr. Cassie Holmes, professor at UCLA's Anderson School of Management, social psychologist who researches the intersection of time and happiness, and teacher of a wildly popular MBA class on how to change the way you think about time in order to boost your happiness. Dr. Holmes has a brand new book out called Happier Hour, How to Beat Distraction, Expand Your Time, and Focus on What Matters Most. And I am dog-earing this thing like crazy. I love it, and I think you will too. I'm excited to learn from Cassie some of her evidence-based and road-tested approaches to thinking about and using time differently. Cassie, welcome. Hi, Kate. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. To get us started, you point out first thing in your book that money isn't our most limited resource. Time is. Can you explain why that is and why it's important for us to be aware of that fact? Yeah, well, I will say that for some, money is in fact very limited. And But for all of us, both time and money are limited. But I think the distinction is that time is our most precious resource. It is absolutely critical to think about how we invest this resource that we have because our hours add up to our days, which add up to our years and ultimately our life. And so how we spend the hours of our days is the life that we're living. And so it is so important that we invest the time that we have in ways that are really worthwhile and fulfilling instead of ways that we ultimately feel are wasteful. Right. Your book has a ton of thoughtful and really useful exercises, including keeping track of how you spend your time for a week. So unlike other time tracking advice, yours has a cool twist. What is it and how does that extra layer help us? Yeah, so I said it's so important to spend our time in worthwhile ways. And then the question is, well, what are those activities that are in fact worthwhile? And one way to identify those is through the time tracking exercise, which has you sort of over the course of a week. I actually suggest two weeks because it gives a more complete reflection of the types of activities that fill your day-to-day life. And as you're spending your time for every half hour writing down what you're doing, but more importantly, how that activity made you felt on a 10-point scale. So this allows you at the end of the week or the two weeks to have you have your personalized data set that you can look across your activities and, and pull out what are those activities that got your highest ratings, those activities that made you happy, that felt fulfilling, that were satisfying, as well as it allows you to identify what are those activities that are not particularly happy. 
And it allows you to see just how much time you're spending across your various activities. This is maybe a nitpicky question, but is it how you feel? Are you asking folks to rate how they feel while they're doing the activity or maybe the end result of the activity, how it leaves them feeling? Yeah, it's how it leaves them feeling. And that does pull out, there is somewhat of a distinction between the enjoyment that you feel during an activity and then coming out of it, how you feel overall. For actually the most part, activities that feel enjoyable also feel satisfying after the fact. But there are some activities, you know, that like some particular work activities that might not be fun while you're doing it, but afterwards you feel really satisfying. So the thing that you really are looking to optimize is when sort of close, like immediately looking back, not this sort of general sense. And the reason time tracking is so helpful is because if I ask you like, what do you enjoy doing? That is a very vague and people often are not actually all that accurate in pulling out those activities that do produce the greatest amount of joy and fulfillment. But what this activity does is with that reflection, sort of looking back, having just spent that time, or even you can look back. Another exercise in Happier Hour is the reflecting on moments of joy. And so looking back over the last week or two weeks, you know, what were those moments that you felt the happiest? And it's that reflection that really crystallizes those activities that are very worthwhile. I love it. One of the hardest things about time management, in my experience, is all the little things that pop up that can just eat up your day. You know, social media, checking your email. You share a story in the book that describes those little things as little bits of sand. Can you share that parable with us? Yeah, and it's such a helpful one that I always and continue to revisit in my mind to make sure that I am prioritizing what's important. And so this is actually based off of a video that I show in my very first day of class to my students. And it's of a a professor walks into the classroom and he puts a big clear plastic jar on the desk. And then into that jar, he pulls from a bag a bunch of golf balls and he pours the golf balls into the jar and they reach the very top and he asks the students, is the jar full? And the students nod. And then he's like, you know, hold on a second. So then from the bag, he pulls a bunch of pebbles and he pours the pebbles into the jar and they sort of fill the crevices around the golf balls. And then he asks the students, is the jar full? And now they're sort of smiling and nodding. Yes, the jar is full. And then from the bag, he pulls out a bunch of sand And he pours the sand into the jar, filling the crevices between the pebbles and the golf balls. And he's like, is the jar full? And the students are like laughing at this point. They're like, yes. (laughs) And then he points out to the students, you know, the jar is the time of your life. These are the hours and days and years that you have to fill. And the golf balls are the really important things. Those are the things that do matter most to you. Those things, those relationships that you have, the people in your life you care so deeply about. It is the work that you do that is really in line with your purpose, what you really care about and your values. The pebbles are like sort of all the other stuff that sort of you have to do, you know, like the job and 
commuting. The sand is everything else. The sand is all that stuff that fills your time. Like you mentioned, social media, our inboxes that are never ending. And if one had put the sand in first, there wouldn't have been enough space in the jar for all of those golf balls. And this is really important because if, you know, we let our time be filled, which it so easily can, like email literally can take one's entire work day, (laughs) you know, like social media and the time tracking exercise, I have my students do it. And my students who are so darn busy, they have full-time jobs, they're working towards their MBA. Yeah, in the time tracking, one student identified that she spent 12 hours that week on social media. Mm. And it wasn't, you know, in the rating of how happy it made her. It was very low. Whereas, you know, one of her golf ball type moments, you know, meeting up with her sister for dinner, that's something that she's like, oh, I don't have time to do. But the rating that I would get is like a nine or a 10. And so it just highlights that we have to put the golf balls into our jar first. We have to prioritize and make time for those activities that are most important or else we won't have the time and our weeks will be filled with sand. Oh, and there is one last step of the demonstration was the professor then pulled out of his bag two bottles of beer and he opened one, poured it in over the sand and the golf balls and the pebbles. And he opened the other and took a sip from it. And one of the students was like, professor, you know, what does the beer represent? And he, the professor responded, no matter how full your days feel and how busy and how little time you feel like you have, you always have time for a beer with a friend. (laughs) I love that story. Thanks for sharing it. And I want to ask you some questions about how we can kind of filter out some of that sand, but I have to take a quick break. Okay, welcome back. So thinking about the things that can eat up our day as little grains of sand, the things that aren't important, that don't make us feel happier, that don't move the needle in an important way. You shared one quick little tip that really jumped out to me. It was a question to ask yourself before saying yes to any kind of invitation or commitment. Can you tell us what that question is? So I have these filters, (laughs) two filters. One is the happiness filter of actually identifying for yourself is if you were to do this activity right now, would it make you feel happy? Because so often we actually in research shows that we think we're going to have more time available in the future. And so we tend to say yes to things. And then once we get to that time, of course, we are just as busy as we are today. And just spending our time in that wasteful way feels so particularly painful. And so asking yourself, would I want to do it? Would it make me happy to do it right now before you commit to something in the future? So that is one. And also the purpose filter. So to and then a separate exercise in the book is the five whys exercise, which allows you to dig in to understand what is your purpose, what ultimately drives you in what you do. And so it allows you to identify once you've identified your purpose through the five whys exercise, or if you can, if you're so you know self-aware that you know what your purpose is. Then hold that up as your filter and ask, is this something that helps me potentially reach my goal, my sort of higher order goal? And if it does, great. 
if it doesn't, it is probably not worth the time. Mm, Super helpful. You advocate something called time crafting in the book, which helps you plan your weeks in a visual way that gives plenty of time both for the things that you have to do. You know, you, you don't give that short shrift, but it also gives you plenty of time to do the things that actually make you feel happier. And one of the techniques, I loved that, by the way, and, you know, <laughs> I'm going to ask you to tell us about, I know you have a free download or about that on your website. So I'm going to ask you to tell us more about that before you go. But one question I had about time crafting is you talk about bundling things that you don't really want to do, like chores, for example, who likes to do chores. And you share a lot of tactics for making chores more enjoyable. But one of them in terms of from a time management perspective is to put them into one condensed block so that it's not, you're not feeling every day like you should be doing a little bit of cleaning that day, for example, if that's your chore. So What if you sit down, you make this beautiful, you craft this beautiful time mosaic, and then you say, I'm going to do my chores on Wednesday night. And then Wednesday night rolls around and it's either something comes up or you're just like exhausted and you don't want to do it. (laughs) What do you do then? Yeah. Of course you don't want to do it because that's the, all the crummy stuff (laughs) put into one day. But the problem is if you don't just get them done, then they're going to loom over you and tarnish, you know, your subsequent experience of your upcoming days. So one option is to even bundle. So I talk about the, because we get used to things over time. So like the intensity, emotional and effect of any activity or experience is the most acute at the beginning of it. And so that's why I say sort of, if you squish all of the bad stuff together, then you don't have the really acute starts for like over the course of your week it's also and also you don't have that dread lingering which if you you know leave everything till sunday afternoon which so many people do then that whole weekend it's sort of clouded because you're just dreading what's to come but by squishing it out together you condense it so you make those beginnings well there are fewer beginnings right mm-hmm. you just you do have to start the chores on that wednesday night say But you can bundle that time too. So while you're doing your chores, turn on a wonderful podcast, How to Be a Better Person. Mm -hmm. So you can, you know, enrich yourself while you're doing your chores. Turn on music that you love, sort of mood boosting music. Turn on an audiobook. So one of the things, you know, we are so busy and I have people complete this sentence, I don't have time to. Mm -hmm. And one of the most common completions of that statement is I don't have time to read for pleasure. If instead of, you know, sort of scrolling through social media or, you know, grumbling the entire time you're folding the laundry and instead actually turned on an audiobook and listened, then that time that would have felt less fun and potentially like a waste, all of a sudden becomes enriching. You know, you do get to read for pleasure, quote unquote, read, but you're listening, you know, you're consuming books, which is wonderful. And so over the course, you know, this is also applies to commuting. Commuting is one of these activities that through time tracking research, as well as through individuals that I know do the time tracking exercise, identify commuting is so painful because it feels like such a waste. You're like the whole time you're waiting to get through it. And then you just sort of fill that time mindlessly. But if during that time, you listen to an audiobook, then all of a sudden, time that was wasteful 
all of a sudden becomes more worthwhile. I love that. Yeah, my brother-in-law reached out to me recently. He's like, I got a great tip for your podcast. (laughs) He's been driving a couple of hours to help take care of my mother-in-law every week. And he says that he has come to look forward to that time because he's learning German. He's married to a woman who's from Austria and he really wants to be able to converse with her in German. So I thought that's so fantastic. And that is actually one of the recommendations. Like there's either audiobook or learning a language. (laughs) I'm glad your brother-in-law's doing that. Yeah, that's great. And shout out to Kurt Rodenheiser. Thanks for the tip, Kurt. Way to go. (laughs) (laughs) There are certain things that we know that we love to do. We really enjoy them. They make us happier. They add up over time to a life that we want to live, whether that's like going on vacation or having a date night or something you talk about a lot in the book and your own experience with your husband. But it's really easy to not do these things because of all the things that we have to do. You know, it's like, oh, maybe we shouldn't really do that because we could get so much done if we didn't. What tips Uh do you have for helping folks make time for the things that really matter in terms of you were talking about in the book in terms of I think there's even a a term for it. It's called hyperopia. Is that do I have that? Yeah, hyperopia. Hyperopia. Um, And and that's opposed to myopia or being myopic, Mm -hmm. which, you know, being so farsighted and hyperopia is being sort of too farsighted where you're always sacrificing what would make you happy now and feel joy now for like what you feel like you should do for some sort of idea of what you should do for a reward later. But we do have to commit to these, you know, I already mentioned in our, how we spend our hours now add up to our lives. And the thing that we don't want to do is look back on our years with regret and feeling like we've missed out. And One sort of way that, I mean, there's commitment devices. So Mm -hmm. like for the vacation is booking a vacation that is not refundable. So (laughs) that by the time you're there, you're forced to go or you feel more compelled to. And you're so happy once you're on vacation because you're like, yes, this was absolutely necessary. For us with date nights, we sort of have a standing babysitter. So we're basically committed to paying every... Friday night for this person, whether we're in the mood or, you know, we feel like we have to finish up work or not. And we're so happy once we are out the door. And my husband and I do finally get to actually talk to each other about Mm -hmm. more than just logistics or sort of waving at each other, you know, (laughs) as we're passing through the weeks. And so those pre-commitment devices, another thing that I think is really important is just to recognize how precious the time we have is. And one way you might do that is counting your times left and recognizing and what that does. So for instance, if I use the example of every week, I now do make time for my daughter, my who's seven, and I had to have our weekly coffee date. And it's this wonderful, precious time where it's just the two of us together And it is very easy not to do it because, you know, my life gets busy, meetings get scheduled, but I absolutely protect this time because I calculated how many times we've done this in the past. And then also recognizing that in just a few years, she'd rather go on a coffee date with her friends, I'm sure. And then she's going to go off to college and then she's going (laughs) to move cross country, you know, for a job. And I calculated that even though she's only seven, we only have 35% of our coffee dates together left Mm -hmm. in our entire life. Mm -hmm. And what that motivates me to do is make 
the time and not only spend the time on this activity that's so joyful, but fully pay attention during it. So put my phone away, you know, quiet the mental to-do list that is constantly running through my head. And this is actually important for folks to think about too, is not just spending more time on activities that are worthwhile, but when you're spending that time, pay attention, right? Mm -hmm. So that you're remove those distractions so that you don't miss out on the wonderful time that you're already spending. Mm, I love that. So for folks who'd like more, Cassie, what have you got for them and where can they find it? Well, my book, Happier Hour, which I am so excited is now out in the world. Read that. (laughs) (laughs) That, That covers so many of these strategies and way, way more. And then because I practice what I teach. I am not on social media, but I do have a website, www.cassiemholmes.com. And that shares the research and more of where I am. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here and sharing all your insights. Thank you so much. This was fun. Hey, it's Kate back with your tiny assignment, which is just a quick plug for some of these free resources that Cassie shares on her website. She has a time tracking sheet that also gives you a spot to write down how happy you felt while you were doing everything that you were doing on your schedule. And she also gives you a blank canvas for starting to figure out what tiles you want to put on your schedule for the next week so that you can make sure that you have time for the things that boost your happiness and aren't necessarily 100% productivity related. I've printed these out and used them and found them very helpful. And I'm linking to them in the episode notes. So go find them and use them. And if you do, let me know what you think. I always love to hear how these things land with you. You can shoot me an email at kate at katehanley.com or take a pic of your time tracker sheet or your time mosaic sheet and post it to your Instagram stories and tag me. I'm at Kate Hanley author. I hope you'll come back tomorrow when we are talking about weeding out annoying time sucks. (laughs) This is a really fun, very practical episode. How to Be a Better Person's theme song, Left for Deadish, is by Junior85. The episodes are mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. Also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past five episodes and a well-chosen meme to your inbox every weekend. Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com or you can tweet me at Kate W. Hanley. Don't forget the W. Or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you. 